0: Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings Podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Michael Rand of the Star Tribune to discuss the latest Minnesota Vikings guard who's going to be protecting Kirk Cousins, Dalton Reisner signs. You guys didn't wave. I was disappointed. I was I'm waiting. just waiting.
1: Let's name waiting. some guys.
0: I was waiting for the wave. We were waiting to name some guys. We're going to play name the guards that have started for, or in front of Kirk Cousins on either side because Reisner could be the 13th one. Uh, we'll talk about all the ins and outs of his arrival. Is that bad luck? Before week three. Yeah, 13, number 13. Um, we'll eventually get
1: to naming. The 12 before has gone the bad great. Luck. The 12 before <laughs> have been the bad luck. Um,
0: so where does he fit in? Where are they going to um, end up lining him up? Because he signed a one-year deal, Ben, that you report is worth $4 million?
2: $4 million or up to four. Well, yeah, at $4 million, I think it's prorated at the, you know, great but we're most of the season whatever four million dollars with 2.25 million guaranteed uh in other words he is the highest paid guard on the team in other words that sounds like starter money to me oh gotta be right yeah. you don't bring I, a guy in right I, now I why
1: did they just so. bring him in in the first place that's my first question yeah he visits in august
0: leaves without a deal uh was really championing on social media as you <laughs> pointed out <too. laughs>
1: first game <laughs> to yeah. sign for the vikings. Like, i don't know why i'm not here <laughs> reply- <laughs> he was totally he was just became a reply guy yeah he it was, was replied like, to a ton of people
0: it was amazing <laughs> just saying like i'm available i'm still here putting his hand up and the vikings immediately called um, or not immediately three days after the the debacle in philadelphia where Kurt, kevin o'connell says i need to do something different we need to do something different for this running game they were down to six offensive linemen who were healthy um, that's including only Udo going down for the season with a toward quad tendon. That's including, um, Garrett Bradbury still on the men with the back issue and Christian Darrisaw hoping to come back off the ankle issue this week if he can, but they needed to add a body somewhere and they decided to do it at the top of the depth chart. Presumably you'd have to speculate. That means Ed Ingram could be, uh, on his way out of that lineup, considering Ben that when. Reisner visited in August they talked about him moving to the right side
2: yeah they that was an interesting sequence because Reisner visits Kevin O'Connell talked about it almost in a degree of depth that would have suggested he signed I think we asked a lot of questions about how are you going to use him He leaves without a deal and we don't hear from him for a month and a half I, I think it was a they had a number of those whether it was him Ronald Darby and Kareem Hunt uh, where it was sort of kick the tires, let's stay in contact, and we'll call you back if we need you kind of thing. Well, <clears throat> obviously they got to the point where they needed him, and from what I understand, it it picked up. The, I mean, they I think they had stayed in contact. I don't know that they had really gotten to work on a deal before, sounded like Monday was kind of when things really started to, to ramp up. So injuries plus ineffectiveness, I think, add some urgency to things and here we are we'll see how it all goes we'll see if this means well it it may mean different things for 2023 than it does for the future because the other thing we should point out is Ezra Cleveland is a free agent after this year and there's been no indication that there's any urgency to get a deal done with him so Riser's only signed for a year Cleveland's a free agent after this year Ed Ingram has two years left on his rookie deal but that remains very much An open question going forward as it has been for most of the Kirk Cousins tenure, which is my segue into let's play the guard game. Yes, let's play the guard game. (laughs)
0: Mike, can you name – start naming the the guards that have started Mm. in front of Kirk Cousins because I can tell you one thing, that Dalton Reisner could be the 13th different one since 2018.
1: Well, if we're going to go back and forth, let's start with the easy one. Uh, Ezra
2: Cleveland is one. Yeah. Ed Ingram would be two. Um there Who the pre- predates fruit?
1: those guys, uh, man. Thirteen different guards. Um, <laughs> Joe Berger. No, no.
0: Eh, you're already really? wrong on number three. Wow.
1: Grand Casino would like to take a moment
2: and salute the true football fan: the passion, the hope, the anticipation, that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Uh, Mason Cole.
0: Yep. Ben I thought ben he was a center. Down. We need like sound effects. I thought ding, he was ding, a ding. center. Okay. Um, he,
2: he, he was got, a center, but then um, Garrett Bradbury got COVID. Oh, yeah. uh, Pat Pat went to center.
0: Yep. There's another one. We got four. Name that guard. We need like a sound effect too. Yeah. Like a, Ding. Like a little um, sound or um, a little music tone behind it. I can, I can, I can do another one right
1: away. Do Go do for do it. Do Mike do, Remmers. Do,
0: do, do. Yep.
1: 2017. Good job. Mike Remmers was still here for that. He was, yeah, they brought and then they. he was a tackle slash guard. Yeah, like he, i was He was started he was, some games at guard.
2: Yeah. Kirk's like drummer slash roommate slash guard, Tom Compton. Tom oh Compton, Tom number six, Compton. six wow. out of thirteen guards for
0: twelve have been named. So half. We're halfway there, guys. Jeez, as now bon it's, getting, Jovi
2: now it's getting hard.
1: Why is it so hard? Living on a prayer. Josh <laughs> Klein. Yep. There's another oh, wow. one. You got yeah. seven. Okay. Um. Hmm. I'm starting to
0: there's, get a little... there's like one or two that I don't think you guys <laughs>
2: <get>. <laughs> like the guy that's sort of like one game. Yep. Yeah. Oh, uh, <clears throat> Jeremiah Searles was gone. Correct. Right. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, why? this is hard because
1: Gu- <laughs> yeah. guards are like probably the most anonymous. There was one players anyway that only started in Kirk's first year that you guys have not mentioned. Twenty eighteen. Well, did you start most of the year? No. Okay.
0: It was a short stint. Like hmm. many of these,
1: because
2: <laughs> of an injury or otherwise,
0: I'm not going to get into uh,
2: that. Udo is one of them. He's
0: one of them. He's not the one we're talking about. No, but
2: he is I thought
1: we already. Oh, I guess we didn't do Oli no. Udo yet. So okay. you guys
2: are up to eight. Cincinnati, now. 2021. We got
1: four more oh. I mentioned, and I got to make sure I can remember hmm. them all. Andre Smith was a tackle, right? Yeah,
2: it was before Kirk.
1: That was before Kirk.
2: That was back in a previous revolving door offensive okay. line. That was the year that. Oh, Rick that was 2016. Spielman yeah, the, where they sign all these guys, and they the plan, Rick Spielman said, and I quote, was to keep flinging them in there. <laughs> and they did that. Maybe somebody will hit. Yeah, that's they definitely did that. Because that was 2016, the year that
1: basically the offensive line sabotaged their season because yes. they were down to a one-legged Chris Long
2: at a certain yeah, point. Yeah, and North Turner left. Jake Long? Chris Long. Jake Long. Jake Long. Jake Long, TJ Clemmings, Jeremiah Searles, three-man rotation in Philadelphia didn't go uh, great. that was the first loss of that season that is indeed what slit the throat to <laughs> the fat cats <laughs> fat cats get slaughtered um, mm, tj clemmings
1: wasn't still here in 2018 no, I and think he was so. a tackle anyway man this is hard <laughs> this is hard you covered – you i mean <laughs> You cover the team. I've got more of them than you have. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow, Trying wow. to throw me out of we the bus.
0: We don't need to get defensive. No, no man, this, this is, is funny. It's, it's hard.
1: You had to look me. them all uh, up. I
0: could not
1: have done <laughs> it. Because like, like, like I said, like guard has to be yeah. the most anonymous yeah. position anyway. Like You could name some more of the tackles probably. Uh, the center has been see. kind of consistent. All right. Well, you were missing. You know, okay. One just guy, tell like us. This just is not – it's good for it was our good, listeners. It was good podcasting up to a point. All right. Let's
0: does, does Danny Isidora ring a ring? Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 2018, the guards were Tom Compton, Danny Isidora, and Mike Remmers. In 2019, you guys got Elfline, Klein, and uh-huh. you missed Dakota Dozier. Oh, how, oh, how can we forget about Dakota Dozier? Dakota Dozier. Yeah.
2: Dakota Dozier.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, you missed two of them in 2020. Well, it was a COVID year. There's a lot year, so going on. Okay, in yeah. I understand. Uh, I wouldn't have gotten these guys either. It was Dozier, Cleveland, Drew Samia.
1: Yeah, he was kind of the... Yeah, he was kind he of. was the
0: Danny Aadora of his time. Yeah, he was the only Udo of his time. <laughs> Danny Aadora of his time. He <laughs> was the parish of the, the Midwest. One that I wouldn't have pulled out anywhere. Brett Jones started at guard. Oh my god! That's right. <clears throat> that's right. And and he watched Watch
2: the documentary. Yeah. <laughs> <Did> <laughs> you, just, you just squat. Oh yes. Squatty Wasn't body. he a center
0: too? Yeah, and that's what he was mainly brought in for. But he actually started at guard. I kind of remember that. It was like towards the card. end of the
2: year, I think. Yeah. Okay, had a, had a film crew with him most of the year.
0: <laughs> there was a canadian film group because he was from
2: regina yep <laughs> okay yep this show is free people to
0: experience regina um, the show
1: is free all right <laughs> anyway um, yeah. dalton so, reisner sounds like he's better Dal- than most of those dalton guys Reisner,
0: number 13 on
1: that but list. number one in our hearts and again they needed a guard at the start of the year they did even if it was just depth, they needed a guard at the start of the year. It sounded very Seinfeld when you I said that, by the way. Sorry, yeah, probably. I liked it. It it, it yeah. It's not a bad thing. It's a compliment. Can, oh, don't get me started about car rentals. Um, but anyway, it's uh, if it, it, if anything had the potential to derail this seemingly good-looking offense and this, you know, the the skill positions they had, it was believing too much in internal progress on the line. And it cost like four million dollars. They had the room. Like I don't get it. I don't understand. Even if you like if you think is gonna take a step forward, even if you think Cleveland is serviceable, who's the what's the plan even beyond those guys? Like if the guy is just sitting there wanting to sign with you for four million dollars, it just kind of seems like it was a missed opportunity.
2: I suppose from a financial perspective The one thing I can think of is they did the Brian O'Neill signing bonus conversion right around the start of the season, (coughs) and then the Hawkinson deal gets done right before the start of the season, which cleared a little room that they didn't have
1: at the time with Reisner. Why'd they do the O'Neill deal then, by the way? What do we think about that?
2: To to convert it to a signing bonus? Yeah. Why then? (coughs) Why not earlier? Yeah. Um, It's a good question. Um, I maybe it was to clear room for Jefferson thinking that was going to get done. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It might've been that in the order of priorities. Um, You know, they, they tend to do these in this one. I think it's been the one everybody figured they were going to do it this year. It was going to be him. It's typically guys that you can clear some money now and you think, okay, this is not a position we have to worry about kicking the can down the road. I mean, it was always Eric Kendricks. that They did this with actually Daniel Hunter a lot too, where it's, we can move money into the future cause we're reasonably confident this guy's going to be here yeah. and that's not a big deal to do it. But, um, yeah, they, they did wait a while to do that one when it certainly seemed like they could have done it sooner. I, I suppose it's, you don't do it unless you have to because you don't want to push money into the future if you're not compelled to do it. Um, that's right. the, the best I can do as far as a, a re educated guess on it I suppose
0: yeah they were able and if they didn't use this cap space they can roll it over into the future right um, but they decide to use it and it's another one of those moves that's interesting in terms when Quasey talks about the time horizon of this franchise and how he views yeah the long-term outlook. That's it's, not a rebuild move. That's a, a
2: competitive move.
0: It's, they keep making both of these moves yep. where you know we're going to keep a Harrison Smith, even though, yes, they do get the pay cut for him. We're going to find a way to re-sign Daniil Hunter for this year. We're going to find a way to bring in Dalton Reisner. Um, some of these moves, like the Hawkinson deal, can be both, mm-hmm. right, if the yeah. player's young enough. But Reisner's 28. He's on a one-year deal, and he's really on a 15-game deal. Um, that one is interesting to me because it, it flies in the face of, you know what, we're just going to see where this team takes us and, and keep trying to rebuild as opposed yeah. to, no, we're going to spend three and a half million or whatever that deal might end up at of our cap space that we could roll over and say, no, let's let's see if we can get most of this offense that we can get out of it right now. Because it was, Ben, as you wrote on Friday, incredibly one-dimensional still on Thursday night.
2: Yeah, they ran the ball nine times. They, I believe, have the fewest rushing attempts in the league, certainly have the fewest rushing yards in the league after, even after Thursday night, they were ranked like 28th, tied for 28th in the league, I think, in rushing yards, despite the fact that they had played one more game <laughs> than almost everybody, all but the Eagles. <laughs> right? So, yeah, I mean, and Kevin O'Connell talked about this on Friday a little bit, that there were a few plays, I think the, the quick pop pass to Jefferson that that was initially called to be a pass, or sorry, initially called to be a run, and they checked it to a pass at the line when they saw a look that they liked. But O'Connell also talked about we basically have to – prove that we can run the ball before we're going to spend the plays on it because, you know, you don't want to be one-dimensional. I get that. But they also, I think, look at it and say there's an opportunity cost to this in the sense of our best players are the guys that get the ball in the other phase of the offense. Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, Jordan Addison, K.J. Osborne are probably their their best, most accomplished players – on this offense and if you are running the ball into the line you are taking away an opportunity for those guys and then you're making it so the next opportunity they get is a higher leverage situation where Kirk Cousins may be under more pressure so I get the rationale there but you can't just say well okay we it's not working so we can never do it like the only solution to this is to get better at it and you know that probably drives as much of the Reisner move as anything else they were better
1: at it last year they weren't great as a running team but cook still had over a thousand yards right like why are they suddenly so bad at running the ball
0: i think the biggest change is the offensive line was healthy for 10 games straight last year I, that their 9-1-8-1 start whatever it was mm-hmm. was with an entirely healthy offensive line that didn't get injured until christian derisov suffered his first concussion i think in buffalo or
2: dallas one of the two i think uh, yeah dallas rings a bell to um me, it, no pun intended no pun intended but
0: Either way, I, this offensive line was healthy last year. Dalvin Cook is the kind of back that can, for all of his faults and trying to find, the you know, not hitting the marks right and adjusting the running game from the wide zone to the mid zone and some of the things you heard about that players didn't transition fully right away in year one, Dalvin is the kind of guy who can make people miss. And Alexander Madison runs them over. And I, to me, you're seeing Madison – produce when he can run over defensive backs you're not seeing him produce when he can run, can't can run over defensive linemen because no one you can. shouldn't
1: be able to right he's
0: not that kind of back and you need a, a wide enough hole to at least have him you know force his way through it and they haven't even had that um it's this has been a lot of the same for the offensive line that we saw in november and december when the run game really tailed off when bradbury got hurt missed five games saw had multiple concussions Schlotman was in there and you had backup level players in there
1: and, and O'Neill the, got hurt somewhere in there too right at Lambeau yeah New Year's Day right so right. so
0: really they day. just missed the playoff game right. with him in the second half of that that Packers game that was a loss um, so yeah I think the health is the biggest thing and, and you're not seeing now without Bradbury in there he played seven snaps this year so far. Without him in there for most of that, you're seeing the the guy who kind of held that middle together. They just don't have much of anything going, it seems, um, blocking up front. And I also think you're seeing teams, um, at least the defenses they faced, be a little bit more attacking than what we've seen last year at times.
2: Yeah, a lot of eight in the box, at least from Tampa. I mean, it was, I yeah. think, on most of Madison's carries now, it's easy for those stats to get skewed because carrying the ball 10 times a game. It's a pretty small sample size. But I I think they had eight in the box against him on six or seven of those carries. So, yeah, there's been some of that. I think people are trying to attack the run and then probably attack everything else i mean basically we're going to send defenders whether they're running the ball or whether they're, they're throwing it we don't think they're going to catch us in it and burn us
0: yeah and really it might change week to week too we we're, we're might eventually see a defense that doesn't feel confident in its ability to try and keep a lid over the passing game um and play Wonderful back to see that this week and play back farther yeah maybe the chargers decide to do that on sunday um so i just think overall this running game needs to find some answers and i don't know if reisner's it but it, it can't get much worse i don't no, think. The no seen.
2: statistically it cannot get so, really any worse than it's been
0: um the chargers come to town i, I don't know what the over under is mike on this one but i imagine it's very high
1: yeah because i was looking up the point spread and saw that the chargers were favored by a point and a half um winless Road favorite tells you a little bit where the Vikings are right now. Yeah. I think the over/under is something like 51. 54. 50, Fifty-four. It started at forty-nine, so that tells you what has happened in and the Vegas eyes of the a public.
2: But I've seen different. Well, that spreads. must have moved a lot too. So
1: I think the they might not have got that one right um, off the bat because it seems like a lot of the action is coming on Vikings and yeah. over right now. Yeah, but. I I would expect I would expect it to be high scoring. Wouldn't yeah. you? I mean yeah. based on what we know about these yes. teams.
0: And the Chargers, at least in week one, couldn't do much to stop Miami's potent passing game. Uh last week they ended up losing to the Titans, I believe. In
1: overtime. Yeah. Yep. In
0: overtime, uh making Ryan Tannehill look somewhat serviceable. So I, it's year whatever, three or four of Brandon Staley, and they still can't stop a nosebleed right now.
2: Yeah, it's interesting too, because I mean that defense is I mean, the scheme has gotten very popular. Obviously, that's the scheme that Kevin O'Connell brought to Minnesota in year one. It's what got Brandon Staley hired for that Chargers job is that all of the success they had with this idea of we're going to play with lighter boxes. We're going to keep a lid on passing games. We're going to basically trade a gap for an extra defender in pass coverage at times. And um, that was very successful in L.A., in probably in part because you had Jalen Ramsey on the outside and Aaron Donald in the yeah. middle of the defensive line. And, they, and the Chargers have some talent, and it's, at least in terms of the pass rushers with Bosa and Khalil Mack, but they have been picked on just about everywhere else and seem ripe to be picked on again on Sunday. So, yeah, it, it, it seems between that and the blown lead in the playoff game last year against the Jaguars and blown leads the first two weeks of this season, it seems like tensions are fairly high with that team at the moment. So going on the road, I mean you you really have to figure both of these teams are going to have a fairly high level of uh urgency if not desperation. Yeah. On Sunday. So whoever's 0 and 3 coming out of this is gonna have a lot of work to do to get back into it.
1: Yeah, I mean I just I saw a stat earlier this week it's like out of the last since two thousand two one out of the 99 teams that started 0-3 has made the playoffs. And if you would have added a seventh playoff team to each conference in either of those years, only one more would have made it. So if you start 0-3, you're pretty well sunk. And, you know, it, it. I wrote about this, I think, earlier this week. Like, it raises an interesting question. Like, what if the Vikings lose this game, which is entirely possible. It's basically a coin flip, I would think, at this point, because the Chargers do have talent. Justin Herbert's a really good quarterback who can probably stress them in a lot of different ways. Like, if they go to 0-3, um, it's going to get pretty negative around here, I would think, pretty quick.
0: Yeah, and at best, you'd be 1-3 going into Patrick Mahomes week. Yes. So, yeah, it's that first-place schedule we keep talking about rearing up and, and with some of these tough opponents early on. A home game against the Chargers, a team that, Ben, you just laid out, is pretty beatable when it beats itself as often mm-hmm. as it does. Yep. Um, it's as close to a kind of must-win feel as you can get in September.
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, and it, they have really nothing to – or nobody to blame for that but themselves with all the turnovers. I mean, you had two games that were fairly winnable, at least in terms of the way they played out. I mean, they did a nice job <clears throat> kind of limiting Jalen Hurts, and then the Eagles were able to take advantage of that on the ground. But you didn't get beat by the RPOs – they were a lot more productive offensively than they were last year in Philadelphia, and it's just it's the turnovers in both games. Certainly, week one is a game they absolutely should have won, and then the turnovers cost them there, yeah. and then you end up losing that game by three. So, yeah, it it's their fault for being where they are, and a game that nobody, I think, thought was going to be easy coming into this one just knowing Justin Herbert and all the weapons they have, but... Yeah, I mean if they don't win this, knowing that Patrick Mahomes comes in here in 2 weeks and you know, you never know, but it's not a path that you would want to put yourself on and say, well, we can it'll be fine, we'll find our way out of this. It's it's certainly not how you want to have to do things.
0: And Mike, what's your confidence level cuz I think no one's doubting that the Vikings can do their half of the over-under. Um, yeah. What's your confidence level in the Vikings stopping the Chargers from putting up their half after what you've seen in two very different opponents in Mayfield and Hurts and the differing returns on defense?
1: Yeah, I think like Ben said, I think they did an okay job um, limiting Philadelphia's kind of the RPO game and Jalen Hurts. Hurts missed a couple throws, but, but they run for like 259 yards, something like that. That's, yeah. that's not great. That was the most since the infamous – Christmas game, right, where Kamara yeah. had six touchdowns? Yep. That's a lot. Seems yeah, like a lot. DeAndre Swift no. had
0: 175 of those yards in part because they were doing so much to take Hurts away. So
1: ball right off. it seems like a defense that's certainly more aggressive, but their, I mean, their personnel is pretty limited. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Like they don't they don't have a name brand outside of Daniil Hunter. Like the rest of these guys are either young or old, like Harrison Smith or just kind of guys like i it's it's kind of they're putting i you know we i think we talked about this a lot in the off season and i've made this point many times like they put a lot on brian flores to make a lot out of or to make something out of not much and i think he's doing his best right now but they're just going to be limited the talent is limited
0: yeah we'll have to see how much the chargers bring to town austin eckler missed the last game with an ankle injury Um, they weren't the same offense without him against a tough Tennessee defense that the Vikings saw in joint practices this summer. Uh, but Mike Williams, um, Keenan Allen are still there, uh, and can be dangerous when Justin Herbert just throws it up to him. Um, with the new offensive coordinator and Kellen Moore, that passing attack hasn't seemed to slow down at all. Is there anything else we should mention about Sunday's game before transitioning to questions in the mailbag? Any more takes? Mike, what's your prediction? What's going to happen?
1: I think they probably win, but the burn-it-all-down um, fun part of me wouldn't mind seeing <laughs> the alternative.
0: Ben, what's the? do you have an early prediction, or do people have to check yeah. out? the, the,
2: the I, mean, I, I, I think they win, and I'll say why in more detail, especially if Austin Eckler doesn't go. Yeah. I think that's a big deal. Um, after seeing what DeAndre Swift did against them, I, I think Austin Eckler could have an awfully big day against his defense if he's able to go. But with that ankle injury, I assume it's going to be a factor. And if he doesn't play, especially coming in on turf, mm-hmm. I I would probably think that they would be cautious with him. Um, and especially if they are, I think that's a big advantage. I, I think they win. I think it's close. I think it's high scoring. But, yeah, I at this point I think they'll win.
0: I agree. I, I think they find a way to win this game just because my confidence in the Vikings eking one out at home that they must win and holding onto the football this time. My confidence is higher than that than it is in the Chargers not Chargering.
2: Yes. Yeah. It's just yep. such a
0: strong verb next to Lionsing maybe. Yeah. It mm-hmm. <laughs> oh almost
2: fits better phonetically. Yeah. Chargering. Chargering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Chargering has got a nice ring to it, and they do a lot of it.